welcome to another Energy Crew podcast. Me, your host, JP Warren, and sitting with us today, we got Ryan Dawson. I don't even know which camera. There's like five cameras right now to look at. Uh, we got Ryan Dawson, the chief Corvinaut of Corva. Uh, is it Corva Technologies? Corva AI. Corva AI. And I think it's their website's www.corvaai.ai. So I probably should have known that. But um, everyone, thanks for tuning in. If, uh, if you're liking this, you know, I always say leave a comment. I, I just I just dig getting good feedback. You know what I mean? I think uh, getting feedback, is, uh, especially positive feedback in this day and age, is pretty important. So I know I run off of it. I know a lot of people run off of it. So if you're liking, if you're liking the show, you know, leave a comment, drop a note, uh, say hello. Uh, love getting, uh, again, I love hearing from people and all that stuff. So again, we're sitting here with uh, Ryan Dawson, the, the chief Corvinaut of uh, of Corva uh, AI, and I'm pretty excited to do this. I had you on a previous podcast of mine, and if if those out there that are kind of curious on kind of Ryan's background, you know, kind of where he grew up, the industries he was in before, and kind of you know what uh, stemmed him um, getting in the oil and gas industry, and kind of kind of being a forefront, a leader in the uh, in the digital uh, um, space, the uh, the digital a. What, what what space would you describe yourself? Uh, yeah, sort of that the, data platform. You know, it's basically the technology uh, software side of oil and gas. Right. So. So if, if you want to kind of get kind of a little background on that, we have a probably about a 45 minute conversation a couple months back. Uh, was it three, four months? Six. Six months. Isn't that we we're in a, has time been weird for you lately? Mm -hmm. Like you think it's like three months something was three months ago, but it turns out it was either six or like mm -hmm. twelve months ago. Isn't that weird? I mean, I'm basically looking down the barrel at two years of COVID, right? I mean, I feel like we're almost there. But it doesn't yeah, you're right. But it doesn't it's it's just it's just weird how like it's just we're already looking at Q4 2021 right now. All right, that's odd. That's really odd. So check out, uh, check it out. It was uh, around the Rotary. Um, that's my previous podcast. And uh, uh, look, look up uh, Ryan Dawson. Just kind of get a background on on Corva. But the thing about technology, which is cool, and uh, in this side of things right now, is it's, it, it evolves so fast. You know, um, and so I kind of feel like even if we had a, a fully, you know, in depth, you know, five hour conversation six months ago. Mm -hmm. It's new right now. Now there's new stuff to talk about kind of in your realm and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So, man, I don't even know kind of uh, get it started off. I obviously want to talk about you a little bit, um, and I want to talk about Corva um, and uh, and the team that you put together there and kind of what you're building there because it seems like, you know, from our discussions before we started recording that, there's something new happening right now. And now, again, before we started filming this, there's something, again, new uh, that you're starting to do. So I guess start us off with kind of a, a, a brief 30 uh, elevator pitch on kind of your background, where you've been and all that stuff. And then, yeah. then, then let's talk about uh, Corvin and your team over there. Yeah, sure. So uh, I came from the consumer world. I had a design and development company in Austin before this. We worked for like Microsoft, Netflix, uh, did the Obama campaign. So the old school Netflix, like the DVD? Netflix, uh, or was no, it was, it, was, it was digital. Okay. It was the di they right. were actually digital at that point uh, or trying to move into it. This was like the very early beginnings of that. So uh, the sort of the idea around that time to give everyone context seven years ago eight years ago people were pretty tired of like this consumer social social media um you know you got to understand at that time period and they wanted to move into hard tech so it was really like what are the hardest problems that i can be working on at the time for me oil and gas was uh, the thing in texas and it was the natural fit so so i moved from from austin to houston to sort of take on that challenge and you have roots in the kind of oil, the oil and gas industry yeah right yeah. Yeah, so I was I was I was raised in Midland. Um, a lot of people might might know that by now, but uh, you, if you just saw me, you wouldn't on the street. You would never never think. I that. dig that though, man. I yeah. dig that about your style, kind of about your. I, I, look, man, I'm from Houston, grew up. Well, I guess you kind of get to with the jacket, but like mm -hmm. I, I dig the style, man. I dig yeah. it. 
I dig it. I might be ostracized if I wasn't from Midland, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, we got an outsider coming in to right. the gas industry. Yeah. Right. So I think one of the things that's really unique about an outsider's perspective is they don't know what they can't do. Um, and so for me specifically, I'm doing all these things that probably someone that has worked in the industry for 20 years would say, oh, that's been done, that's been tried, and it, and it can be done. Right. So that is a really good quality. And it's just not me that you or, or you know, everyone want needs to have that to an degree. Um, I was advising someone recently about a they had just exited a startup and they were getting into something new. Unfortunately, they were like, you know, their age and their experience is a problem because they know too much. They're too smart. They can basically talk about the risk too much of of uh, what the new startup and new ideas are, right? You want to be very naive, so you, so you jump in and solve a problem and basically have that grit that takes you through. So, you know, that that's so, a problem. So you're saying there's a lot of people that are, I guess, that have been in the industry for so long and that have, you know, uh, you know, as you said, you know, well, we've, we, did, we did that six years ago, we did that three years ago. This is why it's not going to work. You have a lot of people explaining why it's not going to work versus, you know, people with an outside perspective saying, well, why not this? Yeah, and I've and I've talked to a lot of people. You know, I've talked to you know uh, uh, Brett Shell over at uh, you know Cold Board Technology, and I've talked to like you know you and you know even David Reed over at NOV. I mean, yeah. uh, previously, like I love the outsider's perspective and that new fresh set of lenses and eyes and problem solving. It's like, well, why don't we try this? Like, have, yeah. you, have you thought about this? Let's try it. Yeah, I think the best up and coming startups in oil and gas are uh, people that are jumping in head first and aren't 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 scared. Um, of what problems and and probably naive to a bit, right? And, it, and it, it takes the questions. That. It takes that. Yeah. All right. So just to get back to your question, the ten thousand foot view of Corva, um, we're, we're sort of uh, we're going through a new process, a new age of Corva, and so I'll kind of just give you where we are now. We we are now the trying to be or could be seen as the app store for oil and gas, and so what that means is we had a platform that we built about 100 plus apps for drilling and completions on. And uh, by all measures, it's been wildly successful and it's been adopted across the industry. So where are you getting these ideas for these apps? Are this something that, you know, you're in-house, I guess, uh, programmers are sitting around thinking about? Is this something that you're talking to the, to the consumer? Hey, what, what would make your job easier? Mm -hmm. uh, we have two groups at Corva now. There's a strategy group that essentially has conversations constantly with customers trying to figure out what's the next million dollar idea. And then there's uh, the product management group, which works through a backlog of features. Maybe, you know, uh, people using the software said this needs a new sort, this needs this feature, X, Y, Z. Um, they also go forward with ideas that we have internally. So it's it's a mixture, but like what, what most of them are trying to solve is some sort of optimization problem. So right. reducing time. So time is money and how do we reduce it? It could be human capital. It could be physical assets. Uh, it could be, uh, for example, telling you how to drill better, faster, uh, you know, cleaner, all of right. those, those things. So it's, 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 it's more than just showing you the data. It's the going to the next step and saying, here's the optimization that you could make if you did this. I think a few years ago, we, we had an aggressive, um, sort of outlook on like, if we used all of our tools, when our drilling suite, you could extract a value of $500,000 per well. And I think, I think it was like, when we did this study, I think it was like sort of accurate. We don't necessarily, we never went to customers and told them this because I think they would, they would say that's outlandish. But I think if you just added up all the different areas, if you avoided certain problems um, that, that were having, having on average, um, you, you could attain that. 
what did the, what did what did doing an exercise like that doing for you? I mean, I would assume an exercise like that, especially if you're showing, I guess, the the value savings or the cost savings that a customer can get. And the fact that you're not even communicating that mm-hmm. to the customers, I mean, and keeping that internally, like, was that kind of to to to, to say, hey, look, what we're doing is working, or like this is the potential of of what we're doing over at Corva? Yeah, I think the mo, especially in the oil and gas industry, is like, uh, I don't believe it. Show me it. But then once you show it, it's like the immediate response will be, well, there's a million different variables. I'm not sure you were the exact reason for that. And it's true. It's definitely true. There's so much going on. There's so many people contributing to these problems. Right. Um, you know, specifically what what we're looking at is not individual problems necessarily. What what we want to focus on is like, hey, you're you're drilling or you might have a rig or five rigs and they're drilling for the whole year. What is the improvement over that whole time span? So like when you look back at what Toyota did about improving their factory lines, this is what we're trying to do too. You know, this is a continuous uh, process. And so what you're trying to do is accelerate learning curves. We discovered something over here on this well, and we, you know, we were able to improve X, Y, Z. How can we apply that to the fleet or how can we apply that going forward? So the, the name of the game is accelerating what you learn and deploying that through the fleets. Now, what I will say even specifically looking at it today is the problems that we had two years ago really aren't problems anymore, right? And so what you need is technology that can adapt to what are the new problems. And if you looked at any legacy software, I mean, it really hasn't been updated in 10 years, so that's not gonna work. You basically need technology that moves at the speed of business. And so what Corva has now is what's called the Dev Center, which is short for developer center. And the idea is anyone can go in there and build apps. And so we have like 20 different companies, service companies, contractors, startups, building apps in Corva that are now exposed to the operators and they can use themselves. What is that process like? So let's say, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a service company. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of people that listen out there, you know, operators and service companies and, you know, everyone that falls, you know, in between or outside. So if I'm a service company, I'm saying, okay, well, why don't I need an app? You know, like, mm-hmm. how, I don't even know how to build an app. I don't even know how the apps work. So how would they go in and start attacking this? Or the, the Actually, tell me about the benefits of having an app as a, as a company. Yeah, the, ben- the benefits are numerous uh, 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 in the fact that you are now deploying a digital uh, or companion application to what your services are to your end customer, which is usually a drilling engineer, completion engineer, geologist, what have you, production engineer. Now, let's say they're using these other apps from Corva, um, which they are. Yep. There's a large po- population of you know EMPs out there using Corva. Now, on that same dashboard, you can provide the the basically digital version of what you're doing. And so that that in in terms of stickiness, that's huge. So the alternative would be you would say, hey customer, go use my other platform over here. And then you're gonna continue to use Corva here. The reality is that's not gonna happen. Yeah, people it's just like yeah, people are I mean, not being rude, but people are kind of lazy when it comes to technology. And they want it yeah. easy. they want it right there on their phone. They want it right there easy. Um, even on LinkedIn, if it's like, hey, check out this uh this link and it takes you to another website or like find it on YouTube, they're like, eh, I'm exactly. good. I just wish it was right here in front of me. So the and then the even bigger thing is, since this is an ecosystem, all of these apps can talk to each other and share data. So Corva has spent 
Uh, we spend millions and millions of dollars every year making sure this data is in amazing format, quality controlled, entered, and available mostly always in real time. And so anyone's app can pull from that and use that. That, I will say, as someone who's working on some of the hardest problems in the industry, maybe not solving them, I will say, you need that if you want to go to the next level. So what is sort of the future of oil and gas is combining disparate data sets. You know, the industry word would be maybe those were siloed data sets. Yep. And doing something interesting. I mean, there's a million different things you can do, but the first step is you need to combine that. Um, and and I, will, I look out in the industry and over and over and over, people cannot solve specific problems because they don't have access to the data. And so I think, you know, being in the Corva App Store is, is a really great way to solve that. I think it's a really great way to make your apps or your service sticky, which is a huge thing. Everyone's looking for differentiation. Yep. How do I differentiate my, my service? But a lot of times, you know, we can't, help. We can't necessarily pick what your differentiation is, but we will move mountains to help you show that to the customers. We'll identify it themselves and say, this yeah. actually, this, we're really good at this. This is our strength. This is how we're different. Yeah. So if, okay, so you're talking about, you know, these, these apps kind of, you know, communicate and sharing, you know, information, all this stuff. And I'm sitting, if I'm sitting there listening, like, well, I don't want my information shared with other apps or other companies or competitor, you know, competition or anything like that. Like, obviously this, this is done for a reason to improve performance, improve efficiencies, you know, uh, to make, you know, cheaper, better, cleaner wells, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the goal. What would you say to that for people that are like nervous, I guess, to share anything on this, on this app or this community? How, how would you lead them in to make them more mm -hmm. comfortable with that? History would prove that, that people that have that mindset will always lose to the other side. Right. So, um, look, this is the innovator's dilemma. This is the problem over and over. We see this right now with crypto taking over the sort of trying to take be the, the currency of record, although it's not, you know, to take over the fiat currencies. Uh, the reality is I would never bet against those type of technologies, right? Whether it's crypto or whatever. Maybe I don't know the ins and outs of it. You never bet against it. So what do we know is the future? It's like decentralization, um, it's open source, you yep. know, it's these concepts. Um, so I think that's a hard concept for a lot of people. I think that's terribly hard. It, it is, but I, I completely it's agree. scary, with you. right? I mean, just like I was talking to, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ryan Keyes over at, you know, Triple Crown Resource and he has, all, he's, he's, he's got these ideas with ESG to generate, you know, mm -hmm. revenue, right? And he's like, I want to share this information with everyone, you know? And I talked to, a. Uh, again, Jason Churchill over at Petro Legacy is like, hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's really increasing, you know, this, allowing for less this and more of this. And he's like, I want to share this. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we're entering into kind of a, a, a an industry of best practices being shared and communications uh, happening, whether it's, you know, the, the whole network inside, that's that's another side, but this is the digital side of it. Um, I think you're we're entering in this kind of atmosphere where people do want to talk. People do kind of want to say, what's working over there? Uh, how, how do we make, how do we work, how do we, do what's working over there over here mm -hmm. yeah i think you're proof of that because you're having these operators come on to your your show here where typically that was always like you know never never allowed and maybe that's not allowed at the biggest companies but you know we we got out we got to get these people out and talking and yes. i think that's amazing so 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 corva started off where did corva start off talking about technology where did Car corva start off and obviously excuse me, you're talking about where it's at, you know, kind of where it's mm -hmm. at today can be in an app store and all stuff. So give, give, kind of give me kind of the idea, I guess, the concept, because obviously technology evolves, create, creativity evolves. 
Yeah. You know? Um, so what you started off at, at Corva and kind of where you're all at today is two, is it two totally different things? Is it kind no, of, no, no. So it's, so when Corva was started, <laughs> I had the benefit of going out and looking at different systems on the market that tried to be sort of these app platforms for, for everything. GE made one that was the quintessential example called Predix. They spent billions of dollars a year on this. And the promise was this is going to be sort of a cloud app platform for every industrial, you know, real-time okay. system. Now, the, the fatal mistake that they made mm-hmm. was they had no focus, right? It was, it was everything and nothing. It was the, uh, the, the cast a big enough net, it'll, something will happen. Throw enough stuff against the wall, it'll stick. Corva said, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to pick the smallest <laughs> vertical. And at the time that was drilling, to me, dr- drilling sounded like the hardest problem. And that's been fortuitous to this day, just because hard means barrier, barrier to entry. Um, so that is how it started. And, and literally, it goes app by app. You, you develop... Uh, real-time torque and drag. You develop some of these, you know, hazard avoidance and, and optimization problems for drilling, and it has expanded out. Now we made, and I've talked about this maybe before, is we made one decision that was probably crazy at the time. Is we re-architected our platform very early on, and which is very atypical for startups. So usually they build kind of what you would think of as a web app. And expand it over and over. And by the time you get to my size of company, you know, doing, uh, um, you know, 150 people doing, you know, sub 20 million in revenue, what what they inevitably have to do is go re-architect their entire system because it can't scale for various reasons. That is a huge problem for productivity as a, of a company. And how do you keep moving forward at the pace you're going? So you, Corva doesn't have that speed bump. Because you were just talking about, you know, technology needs to evolve in today's market. It can't be this two-year-old, uh, outdated, antiquated piece of a uh, piece yeah. of software that you know no one really uses, or they're using just because there's nothing better on the market. Right. So we we did this thing, which is we built on the platform, but we never exposed it so other developers could go in and use it. And actually, since we've done that, the Dev Center, um, it's been wildly successful. Basically, people are just you know coming in in droves, and I and I think the the feedback is really positive. I mean, we have one operator that has ten uh, software developers alone working on apps, which I don't even know what those apps are. So you know, I think it's great. What I would love to see is like, are they doing things in like finance, logistics, different stuff that oh. I never even thought of that could be done. You know what I dig? What you just said, man, and, and this is speaking to you, and I guess your team over there as well. Uh, you said something, you know, a couple minutes ago. You're like, you know, look, you know, what's the toughest problem? You know, mm-hmm. I, I would assume as a startup, it's like, okay, let's take care of the low hanging fruit to make sure this works, and then let's start, you know, scaling up or building out like the tough or looking at trying to tackle the bigger problems. But you kind of did the opposite of that, you know, did the kind of the the not the riskier move, but more of the let's look at the big problems first and and take care of that, and then kind of work away. I, I, yeah, maybe and maybe not. I actually think there's so much low-hanging fruit out there that you have to. So maybe what you're seeing is, yes, we did do some big problems first. But believe me, I am a big fan of doing the low-hanging fruit and think wow. you know more and more of that should be done. Um, we are working on bigger problems. But you know we have a rule at Corva, which is don't do any project that's more than three months long. Now, these big projects, um, they can take years. And that's a problem. 
What you want out of an organization is extremely fast iteration. So your number one goal should be speed. And of course, there's other variables there. You do want quality. But like out of that, why speed? Because you get more iterations. All successful products that I know, all products that I've worked on personally that have been really out, outrageously successful have been have had many iterations. So what that means is like the user interface has changed many times. Maybe the backend, the concepts, you know, what is the value here? So the more you can sort of iterate that, um, that that's 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 where you want to be. So that three month the three month goal that the rule or timeline whatever you want that's to keep things kind of moving moving through moving fresh that yeah. way you don't get bogged down stuck on kind of one exactly uh, one project. You know, and and like what I see myself as a like in the company is like how do you create these factory lines of innovation like this? And so it's it's basically you're looking at certain things like how fast are we moving. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are the key metrics. Now, with us specifically, the Dev Center, we use it too. And so what it means is actually we can bring on more junior developers that, s- s- to a degree, color in the lines. Now, being able to build platform architecture level software is really hard. Okay. And it's also hard to deploy. Uh, there's lots of problems that happen. And so when we have a platform, what it means is basically people can kind of like really just color in templates or use templates to build stuff. And so us ourselves, this is dramatically increased it. That's why we're turning it over to everyone else because that's the hope. Now it's a living, evolving, breathing beast. It sounds like um, it. But you know, there's there's a long way to go. And I think there's there's so much it could do, could do. So we're moving into geoscience, we're moving into production and reservoir. Um, you know, really I think there's magic here that this could move into other areas of oil and gas and potentially into other industrial uh, areas that require real time, you know, scientific, maybe, you know, programming code I, behind it. I dig that. I, you know, I think, you know, the only gas industry had, I, I'm not just saying this, I really do think it is has not just some of the most intelligent people in the industry, but it's people that just get stuff done. You know what I mean? That, and and mm-hmm. when they, whenever they go out to, you know, you know, oh man, if you worked on oil field, you can work, you know, you know, renewables, you can work, you can work this and that, you know, one of my buddies went over to a, you know, a, a, a poultry, a Tyson, Tyson foods and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, the knowledge and skills we have is transferable, right? And I like the fact that you're talking about the technology, the stuff that you're building, the the, the real time, the apps and the and, mm-hmm. and the that stuff. How you're talking about, like, I like how you're talking about that could actually spill over into other industries and and help other industries improve efficiencies. Yeah, and then even more so, like just the other day, JP, I saw uh, a very senior and respected person of the industry leave, uh, leave the industry to go do data science somewhere else, and I think. You know, that's unfortunate because what the industry needs more so, what the world needs uh, is energy, right? Clean, affordable energy. I think everyone agrees on that. And unfortunately, the industry's got such a bad rap that we got to do something different. Um, You know, I think if you look across the world, there's a huge shortage of software developers. I think the number is there's of all the entire population, there's 0.3 or 0.4% of the world is software developers. Really? You could imagine... Um, that, you know, this is the most in-demand job there is. And there should be many percentage points of that, at least, you know, so that's like 30 million people. You know, you would imagine you need 500 million software developers, right? The world is digital. Everything going forward is building software. I think, you know, what what we one thing we've started or we're in the very early stages is an apprenticeship program. So there's a lot of people that need to update their skills. They need to learn how to code, and they need to then be able to start building stuff. So wait, so so 
So Corva is starting an apprenticeship program. Yeah, very early stages. But what I think would be amazing is let's take people that are engineers in oil and gas and let's let's give them some new tool sets. And what this will allow um, is, A, now they can build these digital products that oil and gas needs, yeah. desperately needs, right? We, we know that the speed of business changes so quickly, so we got to update the tool set. We got to do that quickly. Right. Or, you know, if they do want to leave, the industry, great. Well, here's your new skill set to do that. But let's, you know, let, let, let's get them up to speed on what are the things that the world needs. So I kind of like how you're kind of tying into not just, you know, core, you know, core values of, you know, uh, development and programming and all that stuff. But you're also tying that into kind of like our industry is not where it needs to be. You know, before we started recording, like, yeah, we need to, you know, be in the future and all that stuff. And we started talking about that. We're like, well, we need to be at where we need to be today in our mm -hmm. industry because I feel like we're not we're not even there today in our industry. Definitely. So you're probably familiar with the great resignation which is this idea that developers and and people of all roles and functions are right. leaving in droves from the companies. And these are companies like Airbnb, Stripe. These are hugely successful companies. I mean both of those are about valued at about 100 billion dollars and have a very good uh future path in front of them. You're like why are the developers leaving? I'm sure they're really well paid. And, uh, it, you know, it boils down to purpose. So a lot of them are going to Web3 crypto, you know, think that that's the future. But um, the reality is like, you know, that that's a problem. So we, we got to figure something out. And, and all I know is the, the problems of the energy industry are always evolving. Oh, and, and if Stripe is losing employees, developers, We're gonna be how does XYZ oil company retain or even get those skills in-house to do it because we need it there's no question if you look across everyone's saying digital is the future everyone's saying everyone's that. saying that right so what do we do so what does that mean okay so if people are saying that what do you think the concept is when people are saying uh you know oh digital is the future do you think there's a there's an actual clear grasp of what that actually means what does that mean to you for the industry uh for the industry it means most of the processes uh, that are happening now, the decisions will be done digitally. Uh, it's not saying we're, rem and again, you know, we take someone that's working on a rig now, maybe they can become a software developer and help codify the processes that, that they were doing before. Um, but it's just, software is so efficient. It's such a, it's such a multiplier. Now, if you want to like zoom out to the world in general, all economies essentially and quality of life increases as economies sort of build bigger and bigger when they stop building the music stops and it's like kind of a bad time so what you need is innovation um i don't want to get too off topic but there's like a few industries like education and healthcare that actually are getting more and more expensive every year and then there's things like tvs and you know microchips they get cheaper and cheaper right. every year um when you have great innovation there's thinking that everything gets cheaper and cheaper and better every year right so um this is kind of a macro perspective yeah, it no, has no. to do with inflation as well there's but, no yeah. topics on that I dig, it. I dig it let's get on <laughs> well, yeah let's get back to oil and gas no no let's talk yeah. about that let's talk about the if you want to talk about the education and the healthcare system getting more expensive when other industries are getting you know cheaper because of technology and all the mm -hmm. improvement i think that's i think that's interesting yeah, and it has to do a lot with innovation. And I'm not saying there's not there's a ton of stuff happening in healthcare and education right now. I just would argue that it must most of it hasn't hit the market and it will be really hard 
to do scaling deployments of those things, but hopefully they will happen. Uh, so just getting back to it, like the digital world will take over everything. Will we live in the metaverse? I don't know, but um, it, it's seeming that way. That's where all these developers are going, working on the crypto, you know, the crypto yeah. stuff. So yeah. it's like, um, we just have to iterate faster. And if you're, if you're moving quickly and, and, and you're, you're innovating, um, you know, everything is, is, is bound to change and for the best. But the good part is, though, let's say I've been doing business for 40 years, you know, in the oil and gas industry. I'm a service company. I've been doing business for 40 years and all that stuff. I might be listening to this and thinking, oh, shit, like I'm way behind. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna catch up. From, you know, from Ryan saying like this is just like you know, like I'm we're not even there. But the best part is though, it sounds to me, and I may be off topic, or maybe completely wrong, because I want to talk about more about the the app center and all that stuff. Because I I want to understand it more. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think there's mm -hmm. probably people out there that might be sitting, but if not, it's fine. Let's just I'll be the dumbest in the room. I'm okay with that. We I'm can used, make an app to, to listen to your show on on the Corva App Store. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> we'll heard, that Corva's out. huge supporter of uh, Energy Crew. Um, no, so I mean, if so, if if I'm sitting there as a service company, look like I don't know anything about you know developing an app. I don't know anything about this. I don't know shit about that. Like you, what you're saying is like, hey, look, like we can help you through that. We can kind of bring you to where you, where y'all need to be today yeah. by developing an app with you yeah. by sitting with you and kind of saying, hey, look, let's. Would you say work alongside and yeah. you would develop your own right. differentiation? So, so we have a bunch of dev advocates and their job is essentially to help people build apps, help learn the system. And as a byproduct, they learn how to do better software development, which is a transferable skill. So they can take that, uh, let's say you don't want to do the Corva Dev Center in the future. Well, those skills should be transferable. But I don't know when this show is coming live or going live, but uh, we're having CorvaCon, our fall version, October 21st. Uh, it's just about to be released. That is a place where if you're if you want to learn about what does the future mean in terms of building, like more from a developer's angle and like how do I get in into this digital realm, you should come. I mean, this is we'll release this before the Okay. We'll the do whole that. point we'll of it that. is to bring together the community and it's getting more and more developer focused every year. So we're not trying to replicate anything the SPE's doing or anyone else is doing. Now we're basically going down this path of developers. Let's build the future. Let's work together. Uh, there'll actually be a hackathon the day before, and then we'll like do the do the. So the if show. I'm not a developer and I'm kind of you know I'm, I'm listening to this you know at home in the car in the gym wherever you're listening to this. If I'm not if I'm not a developer and I'm you know I'm hearing this you know and I'm curious about this you know the next you know the wave of building building the future and all that stuff. Is this something that's kind of you know open to to whoever kind of wants to kind of attend and kind of hear and kind of maybe absorb something? Yeah, 100. percent I mean, this is not a sales event at all. Where's 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 CorvaCon going to be at? It's at the Canon West. Okay, is, right there. Yeah. Right next door. Um, and uh, you know, check check our LinkedIn. We'll post like okay. an announcement very soon or by the time this airs, it it should already be out and about. But like you know, we'll have like bands there, we'll have great music, drinks. Uh last time was we had all kinds of stuff. Like hopefully we'll have some tricks up our sleeve. But it's uh I think it's an accretive event that um it's, I think it's needed. It's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's needed in the industry from, you know, not just talking to you, but talking to a lot of other people in the, I guess in the, in the, in the digital technology side of the industry. I think stuff like this is because what, what showcase our industry right now? It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, a new, you know, new, uh, mud motor, a new, this, uh, you know, a new, uh, uh, whatever. I, the fact is that what you're trying to do, you're, you're, you're built like, Hey, look, like this is all, this is, yeah, and you know what, you know what they're more important. You know what everyone's asking and the engineers are asking is like, why did this mud motor fail? Why did this bit fail? Okay. 
let's come together and build software to figure out why or to prevent that. Right? What are we doing in 2021 and we have motor and bit failures? Just blows my mind. And we're not we're even not figuring it out, just kind of running through like what do you mean? Like, what are we doing? Like, how are we figuring it out? Yeah, we're not doing real-time monitoring using, uh, you know, early predictors. And so that's the, that's training kind of neural the whole nets, point. Looking at vibration data. Uh, you know, I've heard for 10 years that the industry uses vibration sensors to monitor the health of tools. Now, I will tell you in the last six months of going and trying to get a lot of operators to map that data to actually WITSML channels uh, that we can consume, that there is no way that this is happening to the degree that the industry thinks it's happening. Meaning if, it, if we're having this much trouble just getting the actual data, uh, then, then it's not really there. So it kind of, it's kind of one of those things too that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Hey, this is the way we do it. Oh, we measure through vibrations. Yeah. Through, oh, through vibrations. So, Okay, well, show me. Right. Oh, I don't know how to I can't, show I can't show you. And don't, uh, you know, that's but, but confidential. But, but trust you know, me, it's vibrations. So on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. But that's exactly what you're saying. You're saying, hey, look, you know, yeah, you're saying we've we done already this. do that. Yeah, we, we already do oh, that. We, we already, already do this. that. But we okay. don't need help. Okay. Well, obviously we do because it's what we've been doing. If you can't even show it, speak to it, put a finger on it, then we yeah. kind of do need help. And I don't have all the answers. I think this is a community driven thing. Speaking about community, so you just mentioned that you had a, a, a 10 software developers from operators, whether operator X, operator one Y. Operator. Whatever. Yeah, one operator. Sure, yeah. sure. So, and they're working, are they going to your, y'all's office uh, right there? And yeah, working yeah there? sometimes. You know, we're, I mean, we just work digitally together. So how is that, I guess, how is that for y'all's, I guess, you know, culture, I guess, bringing in, you know, outside, you know, other, you know, software developers in, you know, to your team and all that stuff. And it seems kind of like a, like a flu, like an organism, you know, like a flu <laughs> organism that grows, like a think tank. So what is, is, is that, is that kind of, what's, what's it like? Yeah, I mean, we're in the early stages of it, but we are we're hiring greatly to accelerate that. I we love it. Right. We want people to be coming in, trying to figure out how to build the future. That's what we want. That's just we, we, we want them to dream. We want them to. Again, we're not the smartest guys in the room. We're trying to help everyone else achieve their their vision and dreams. Where do you get your inspiration from? Because creativity and inspiration uh innovativeness i mean that's not you can't clock in at nine and get creative until five and you know clock out an hour for lunch where do you find your inspiration where do you find your your, your not drive but your 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 ideas your momentum i mean that's a, i yeah they, they come they come from everywhere do you have a system? Sim simple example uh so yes there there are ways that i think that allow me to get outside of the box. That's like how I do things. It's like, I'm always looking, should it be done this way? Is there a more efficient way? I'm stubborn myself, but I'm always open. So I, I, I hold beliefs, but I'm always will, will, will change if I get better information, better data. But you've been in the industry. So let's say, let's say we're talking to each other. It's 2031. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're you're saying virtual. I've been in the industry for a while and I stopped innovating. I actually go and reevaluate every now and then, like, is this actually the way we should be doing it? Because I can tell you there's so many things we're doing in oil and gas that are not uh, efficient, they're not optimal. I, what I come to is either, A, I can't do anything about it now, 
or yeah, that's a good idea. Let's come back to it. Okay. Um, so all of the whole well construction process, it seems a, a little bit antiquated. It seems, yeah. um, it seems like it needs a whole refresh. I just, you know, I can't solve all those problems, but you know, I'm thinking to the very root problems. So we talk about these tool failures. If you went back and re-architected things from the root, I think you could solve a lot of this. Um, it's just, so yeah, I'm basically saying, yeah, we can only add this part to the problem, but if you redesign this, the whole uh, solution, you, you could actually do it completely different. Yeah, so the, the only, the, you know, inspiration, I travel, I'm like very open to different, ideas okay. and cultures and art um i have a big artistic side of me and like you know just creative like just so do, do you things. paint sculpt or something like that on the side as a hobby i used to paint i don't i don't really do that anymore but you know i'm i'm my, my point is i'm just like i'm 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 straddling the line between engineering and creative and that's my MO. artist yeah 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 a lot of people will say like what what i'm building or any software that i'm part of at corvair otherwise is like i look at it like a piece of art right right but i like that though because it's it that just shows that it's 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 something you're passionate about you have this vision you have this idea what what you want you have this idea kind of and you're trying to and you're trying to create that you're trying to mm -hmm. make that into into something you mm -hmm. know and i i kind of want to talk about this app store right now okay if that's cool again yeah. uh mm -hmm. look as someone that you know if so Let's talk about this kind of in, in a way that if if someone's sitting there, you know, listening right now, who's you know, um, who's heard of Corva and not really sure what the app, what, what's this app store all about? Like, what what apps is you know, not just what apps is it have, but like how can this have, like talk to them about this? I guess the, uh, the 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 concept of this app store for the oil and gas industry. And it's but the thing is though, it doesn't sound like you're, it doesn't sound like a pitch. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's the number one app store for the oil and gas industry. It truly sounds like, hey, look, this is kind of. The, the the pool of where all this stuff's kind of being built, where mm -hmm. exciting stuff is happening right now. So I guess kind of give me this this overview and kind of dive into the app store, I guess, wherever you, wherever you feel that's pertinent. Driving to work is always a beatdown for me. Even after I type my destination into Waze, it's still such a grind. And I know exactly where I'm going. I couldn't imagine the frustrations of trying to get to work and Waze give me like a 20 mile radius guesstimate of where it thinks I should be. Well, that's what it's like for many of our oilfield family who have to get to the well site location by navigating unnamed lease roads that are often not even on any civilian map apps. Most oilfield workers say that they lose a minimum, minimum of 20 minutes a day lost on lease roads, if not hours. Well, 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 I got some game changing news right here. So everybody listen up. Wellsite Navigator is introducing the new technology that you've been asking for, lease road navigation. They've already mapped over 19,000 miles of oil field lease roads that don't appear anywhere else. And every week they're adding more. Wellsite Navigator is the most trusted, is the most downloaded oil field mobile app of all time. Founded almost 10 years ago as the first navigation app for the oil field, they've helped more than 100,000 oil field hands find millions of well sites in 22 states quickly, safely, and reliably. Most of their users come from word of mouth, so hey, help spread the word. They're giving all Energy Crew listeners their first month free when you click the link in the show notes. Plus, when you fur a friend, they get their first month free and you get a $10 Amazon card. So follow the link in the show notes to get started. Check them out. Make your life easier and don't get lost. Right now we have developer tools. You can, you can uh, if you're a senior developer, very advanced, you can definitely jump in. We have a lot of developers that we give them the documentation and we're constantly updating and making it better. 
they can learn how to build apps in a few days. Um, some It just takes some basic programming. So like if you're building UI apps, you, you need to know JavaScript and React. Um, we're going to start programs. We're going to teach people that. Uh, on the back end side, you can, you can know Python, you can know C Sharp, you can know Java, you can know Ruby. Um, all of those work for those code. Uh, you know, where does this go in the future is like, can I be building an app in a week or two weeks? And right now we're doing that. Now, the harder they get, uh, yes, there's more intricacies, but we're trying to build patterns and it. it's called a software pattern, which means it, it's a way to make it easier. I think this could even go to the point where it's like Zapier or like it's, it's more like no code. So let me connect this data source to this field and it displays it. Maybe it does something interesting. We're not trying to replace business intelligence tools. I actually see this as a side-by-side. -side. So if you have Power Going BI, Tableau, or Spotfire, that's more for exploration of data, and we'll expose all the data from Corva to there. But this is more about real-time you know, processing. So I got real-time data coming in. I need to process it and make some sort of interesting calculation and visualize it to the person using the software. That's really what I see as an app. Um, you know, I think getting into the minutia, it's like, okay, it could, you know, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Yeah. But there's definitely a use case because everything that we're doing is really hard to do in Power BI, right? So I, I got to think there's a hundred thousand more examples of software that could benefit from that. Okay. And so the, the dev center is all about speeding that development of those, those apps, and that's gonna that's gonna accelerate the more apps that are being built and the more users that are using the more yeah. hey, this this can kind of be tinkered with a little bit, and this is just gonna accelerate that process. And then what you can do is expose these to what are potentially your customers in a very efficient manner, like the the iPhone App Store, the Android App Store. Like they can buy it in there, they can see details, uh, they can browse. You know, I can send it to you, and you can you can check it out really quickly. So it's, it's all about uh, the ease of use and the user experience as well. So usually when it comes to like, you know, people always, oh, we want to be the Uber of this, or we want to be the, the whatever of this, whatever that. So pretty much, you know, Corva is, is looking to be the, the app store, the, the play store of the oil and gas industry where people go to to get their, to get apps to optimize their operations for now. Yeah, and I think if, Cor if Corva doesn't do it, it just won't happen. And so- I like that. No, yeah. I really, no, I truly do. Yeah, like, I'm not, you, you have I, belief, you have passion. I, I dig that. Yeah, I just, I've just been, I've been in, I've lived in the world too long to know like what had to be done to connect these dots, right? So like, let's look out there who's actually connecting all of the silos of oil and gas. It's very, very few companies. And yeah. if I look at those companies, their DNA does not support them to get to this end goal. Okay. So this is something that has to happen. Like I said, to build the advanced problems of the future, you have to connect various data silos. Now, there's industry initiatives out there, um, but let me just say that I have rarely seen that work. I have never seen uh, committees build the next, the future. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, we are doing what we're doing is a magnitude easier than like what SpaceX is doing. But you know why that works is because Elon Musk is 
has a heavy hand in what's going on. Right. When things are off course, he comes back and he fixes it. And he does that at a high degree of iteration speed. Right. That is how great products are built. And I don't want to, I want to say this for any company that's listening is like, um, there's, there's, you cannot build by committee. You, you have to make decisions. You have to go on a limb. And so you need someone to, to make those decisions that actually has conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Trust. You have to trust them too. To Hey, look, you might fail you. You might succeed and all that stuff, but you have this vision, you have this dream and do try it, do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out from there. So, um, the oil and gas industry has a long way to go. If you look at just frac data, acquiring okay. frac data, there is no standard that exists. It is 2021. There is no standard out there. I would know because we're on lots of frac crews. Is that mind-boggling for you? I mean, yeah. think about it. our industry. You know, we can- Yeah, so if you can't acquire the data, if you can't actually even get the data, you're doing nothing more interesting on top of it. Right, if if that's still the problem we're solving, right, and um, I will say because I believe we are one of the very few and leaders of acquiring that real time data, that it is extremely new. Meaning, this has only been happening for a year. So, because it's so new, because it's such a, a you know a, a new concept, kind of a new concept, if you will, you know, like collecting you know frac frac data collection or this that. I'm I'm assuming you know after you know from a post COVID whatever you want to call post COVID I'm not brand new but did that accelerate you know the, I guess the 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 demand or or, or want or need for a you know Corvus platform you know, products are you seeing more of like a, a jump in buying and all that stuff like because it, it gave people time to evaluate out there hey look into this hey I heard about you know Corvus look at what they got going on did are you seeing more of kind of a draw or a pull from uh from uh of customers the investment in real-time operations centers doing things remotely has hugely accelerated. Was that a trend that was always ha- was happening before COVID? Yes. Did COVID accelerate it? Maybe and hopefully. Okay. Um, I think the, the uh, let me preface that by saying that the tools are still lacking. So if you want to do remote operations, this, the tools just aren't that good yet. Yeah. Um, you know this. Uh, everything's sort of accelerated from the digital age. I'm, if you look at in the investment world, they're closing investments. You know, doing fifty million, hundred million dollar investments over Zoom. That's uh, day in and day out. That's crazy. But it's but it's it's the world we live in right now, though. That's what's happening right now, and it works. It works. So there's a few things that happened. I think during COVID is. Um, People, what's become very apparent is people, a lot of people want to work at home. And I think most of that is just avoiding the commute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing that we're seeing is that there was a lot of wasted time at the office. And I think that time is also wasted at On home. On Zoom. The, the, the thing, uh, you know, it's like doing, <laughs> doing laundry, going to do your oh, kids yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that's interesting is like, okay, that's, that's adds to their life. And it turns out, Maybe they didn't need to waste that time at the office, like browsing the internet, right? So that's good. Um, on the flip side, what you know, definitely what we're seeing is like to make strategic. Like when I walk through the office in the morning, there are uh, fifteen different conversations that that I have within five minutes, and that is non-replicatable uh, in a digital world, at least right now. If I'm sitting out there as let's say kind of a, a 
an engineer right now or um, whoever, uh, whether it's a student, you know, kind of that's about to enter the oil and gas or whatever industry right now, what would you tell someone, whether you're an engineer right now, whether you have a job, you don't have a job with this and that. I mean, because, you know, obviously there's a strong belief and there's for a solid reason, there's a strong belief that digitalization is the way of the future. You know, whether it's only gas industry, whether the hospitality, whatever industry you're in, what would you, what, what could people do out there to, to I guess, um, be students of that to, to learn about, I guess the, um, uh, what was it's, it's a foreign world to me to program to, to, to the stuff that, to the stuff that you're passionate about, the stuff that yeah. you're talking about. That you feel that's important. Well, luckily too. for you, JP, you're a pretty great host. So uh, no. you might you might have a job in that for the future. I'll take that. There's no question they have to learn how to code. They have to bite the bullet and do that. I cannot are there, tell what you. What resources are out there for that, though? There's all kinds of online programs. There's all of these like six-week uh, programs as well where you can go in person. I think that, that, that the money, actually, you don't need to spend that money. You can do it online for free. It does take... Uh, you have to do an independent study and you have to kind of work through it. You know, that's not in everyone's wheelhouse, unfortunately, but this is like the one of the biggest, best skills you could ever add to your resume. Uh, right. You know, this is so necessary for anything, any industry in the future. It cannot be understated. So it's just like bite the bullet and do it. So what can make, I guess, you know, your team, your job and all that stuff, I guess, more, uh, more fruitful, more, I guess, impactful for the industry? Because what you're doing is impacting the industry, you know what I mean? And that alone right there is important. Mm -hmm. I think um, positive impact in the industry, I think, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, AI, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, technology and all that stuff is important in the industry. Um, what are you seeing, I guess, that could be, I guess, the, the that could make y'all's job, I guess, more impactful in a positive way for our industry? Is that, you know, customers meet with you, uh, sharing, talking ideas. Hey, look, you know, we need this information from the wellhead here. Blah, blah, blah. How do we do this? Is it collaboration? Yeah. What, what is it? More collaboration. More infrequent collaboration. Even the collaborations that we're doing, they're not moving as fast as I think they should. And I need to tell everyone that I'm not getting any younger. Right. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so if there's this end vision that we're getting to and we need to get to, we need to do it quicker. I think this is like a good thing for anyone that wants to improve what they're doing. It doesn't matter if you're working in hardware, if you're working not in software processes, it just speed up what you're doing and, and use good frameworks. I've heard this decision-making framework, which is on one hand, there's two types of decisions. One is 70-30, meaning you have 70% of the information, you know the right idea. Okay? Okay. In which case, just make the decision. And the other is you have, it's sort of a 51-49 toss-up. And in which case, you actually don't, you know, either dis either decision is kind of like the, the same. Yeah. So in this case, just make it. So in both of those, how do we speed decisions? It's like, look at what type of problem. It's going to be one or the other, 70-30 or 51-49. Just make it quickly. Don't do analysis paralysis. And, and move on. Yeah, that's yeah, analysis paralysis. Don't sit there and kind of pick, a, pick around these little solutions. Like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do this. Would you, so that being said, I mean, a lot of decisions are made, obviously, and you know, people want to make the right decisions, especially right now, you know, with capital mm -hmm. doing this and all that stuff. Would, would that be a safe... You only live once. YOLO. Would that be a safe uh, way to, uh, in Latin, it's carpe diem, but would that be a safe uh, thing to say, don't, 
don't prioritize and this is again the, the word quality is such a yeah people confuse this because yes. when i say make these fast decisions i've honed my entire life and everyone else should have to the same degree to making good decisions analyzing the information analyzing the data but the point is like once you've done that make the decision no, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I, everyone assumes when I say that it means make a poor decision, make a, uh, you know, an a non-informed, uh, inform, yeah. non-informed. Yes, that is not it. So, uh, so that being said, a lot of people obviously want to when they make a decision, they want it to be the right decision. They want it to, uh, they'd rather have a, a quality decision versus a sub-quality decision that might not be the best and all that stuff. You're just saying, man. Either, you know, shit or get off the pot. Just go for it. Make that decision and commit to it and 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 get after that. Sure, it can change and evolve and kind of you can shed some shed some ideas or solutions you had in mind, but make a decision and go for it. Yeah. And a very stupid example is I was buying a rug recently. Okay. And there's all these like software where you can visualize the rug in your, in your room, room and whatnot. Yeah. Come on, at the end of the day, you just have to make sort of your your yep. best judgment and go for it. Like the I, you've probably done home projects. Some don't work <laughs> out great. Some do. You know, can, continue living life and let's move on. Let's like just work do it. On, yeah. Just do it. So, how do you? I guess where you got a six month old. So, where do you spend? I guess your 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 time when you know you're not you know being a father, not being a husband, and stuff. Where do you spend your time? I guess um um your downtime. I like to spend it usually traveling with my wife to uh, exotic locales. Okay. Are you a, talk about this, are you a beach? Are you more of a culture, more of a what? Uh, both. We try to mix it, <coughs> but it's, uh, I'm really into getting immersed in, in different places and experiencing new food, new Ideas. What has been some of the, uh, and I, I love having these conversations. Uh, what has been, what's been one of the, the most wildest, uh, enriching, I guess, places that you've had or the weirdest? Uh, yeah. The easiest, easiest example I can give to anyone, and, and they can go experience their, for themselves, is Japan. That's just, I would love to go to Japan, you walk dude. in there and it's, what's that movie? Um, Lost in Translation. It, it's just amazing, though. And so that's like, you know, you do have to keep in mind Japan is is kind of expensive, but like that is like I think everyone that I've sent there and told to go there has come back and said thank you. I would love to go to Japan. Yeah, Japanese so, horror movies are great. <laughs> I mean, there, I, I would, I think the, I think the culture over there is just, I dig it, man. And if I you would, like to eat, oh man, oh god, I love to eat. Obviously, yeah. what about okay? So what about this whole? I mean, obviously, you know, um, you enjoy innovation. Innovation's Elon Musk. Innovation is this. Innovation is that. Innovation is, and obviously we don't, I mean, we don't have to, I'm not, we don't do political, we don't do politics on this shit, but I'm, what I'm saying is we're talking about all this stuff, right? You know, we're talking about this innovation, all this stuff. So now there's a big innovation right now with, with this, you know, with, with renewables, with, with, with Teslas, with electronic cars, EVs and all this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. where are you seeing, I guess, with, with that? Obviously you're, you understand, uh, what I like about you is that you, you understand the real time issues and the real-time challenges and the real-time solutions but you're also kind of one of those that that also you have a vision you're a visionary you know, mm -hmm. you're an artist you're, you create stuff and there's obviously a gap right now you know yeah. there, there's a gap how, where, where does that sit with you and i guess how do you i guess uh process that and address it with people yeah so i i mean i think people might think i'm just looking at like the software and the digital side of things i'm just looking at the whole problem of right. the world uh, Saul Griffith, he's a guy that writes a lot. He's sort of written What's the Future, and um, 
he's done these Sankey charts about it, and it's essentially electrification of everything. Okay. So if you want to talk about efficiency of energy, you have to electrify everything. So, you know, I work in oil and gas. Electric cars are the future. There's no question about that. Now, where will it be powered from? Uh, I think a large, large percentage will come from natural gas. Hopefully, you'll have, um, you know, carbon capture at these Pico plants. I think that, that that's like, that's the thing that I see in front of me is like, Natural, huge natural gas use, uh, with 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 ideally carbon capture that's offset by government um, money, which it, which already is already exists. Right. So they actually pay you to do this carbon capture. Um, we, if you look at 2050, everyone's sort of familiar with this. Like the the trends right now are the same amount of oil in 2050 as now. So everyone that's in oil and gas, what you need to to know or understand just to, to keep operating is we got 30 years to go guys yeah uh plus or minus five percent the problem is you bring on fission you know nuclear's off the table because uh it, it the cost of safety is high but also just it's it's a political issue but if you introduce fission today you're still it's going to take you 30 years to really get anything there um the alternatives renewables they're, they're so you know even if you built like huge huge droves of these you're still going to go for 30 years on oil and gas. Right. Um, let's clean up what we got. Let's let's get to the future. Everyone wants to jump ship from this ship and go work on the future. Who is helping this ship meet the future in a very responsible, clean way? That, to me, is the biggest gap right there. You know what I mean? I'm not against renewables. You know what I mean? I'm in the oil and gas industry. I love the oil and gas industry. It's here. To, I personally is here to stay. I love it and all that stuff. But no one I met is against 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 renewables. But there is that gap between the 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 verbiage on like, oh, well, we want to be here in five years. Like that's just not that's just an asinine thing to say because that's clearly not even feasible to do. If you want to help the world the most from a climate perspective, you would help clean up oil and gas. That is the thing to do. Right. And no one's talking about that, right? Right. Well. I think, I mean, with the whole ESG, I guess, being center stage. What, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Sorry. I mean, people are talking. I guess about, I meant from don't go into renewables, stay here and clean it up. I like now, that. Now, it's great for oil companies that are taking that. What I can't figure out right now is, are they serious? For sure, there's lots of movement. Everything I hear in the frack world is, is it electric? Is it dual fuel? Is it like this or that? That's great. Do people really care besides the dollar? I don't know. But hey, over time, this just gets ingrained, and this will this will be the path forward. It'll be the new, it'll be the the, the, the new norm. You know, it, it's. Uh, I agree. I mean, I I think that's not a bad aspect of it. You know, I think that's probably a, a great aspect of it. The fact that number one, you can you know whether it's the environmental or social or the government side of things, where you can actually kind of improve your operations and make some money out of it too, because mm-hmm. you know that's what's drawing investors right now. That's what I mean. You know, you capture the methane leaks, you can that turns generates revenue. You know, so yeah. there's all these areas where, yeah, sure, it's a burden that's put on a lot of companies, but man, it's an opportunity too. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a little bit of the cost or a little bit of our revenue and use that to clean up and make us like this really like transparent, you know, carbon companies, right? This is how much carbon I'm, you know, I'm emitting, what's so on and so forth. That would be amazing for the industry. Be transparent about that. That would offset all of the horrible things that have happened in the past around, uh, you, you know, all kinds right, of legis- right. you know, lobbying, uh, lead, <laughs> lead in the yeah, oil, yeah, whatever, big oil. You know, let's let's take that and say this: we owe this as our responsibility. And then, I think if the oil and gas industry actually does embrace that and keeps pushing forward as this really clean, 
thing, um, they will be surprised at how far they can actually go with their current infrastructure uh, in terms of providing their products to the future. Yeah, yeah. So I got one last tangent to kind of go on, unless you got something, because I would love to hear kind of what's kind of in your circles and your 15 conversations in five minutes. I would love okay. to kind of hear about that. But look, you're a visionary, man. I, you, you're, you're, you're in this industry to kind of uh, innovate, bring things together, better communication, digitize, bring the, bring the oil and gas industry from, you know, the 1997s where we were at for a long time to kind of leapfrog it to 2021, right? Mm -hmm. I want to hear your kind of, what would be your dream or what would be your vision of the oil and gas industry 10 years, whatever, give me a whatever, like in the future, like what, what would be kind of like, where are you trying to bring it to and kind of what would that uh, industry feel like and look like? The entire process of well construction would be automated end-to-end, -end, not only physically, but software. What do so you mean by that? So every decision um, and, and process that's currently happening would be, would be essentially done in software. Uh, a lot of the hardware would also be automated to like physical processes like of, of drilling, connecting pipe, whatnot. But the, the, the thing is like, there would and there would be knobs at any place, so any engineer can go in there and make sort of their uh, informed decision about what needs to be changed, and that's totally great. That needs to be part of the process. It's not a black box. It's completely open right. for changing. Um, but what you will see is all of this data is connected. The decisions that are being made are very well informed, um, and what this looks like is. Geoscience data is connected to drilling, is connected to completions, is connected to production, and, and the reservoir at large. So as you drill, any new data point is actually updating your geoscience model. Okay. Any new completion, it's updating it. Production. What this means is like all decisions become smart. So um, I'm basing not my drilling decisions on... Uh, you know, am I am I drilling faster or this or that? It's it's all about the pr production of maybe the the hydrocarbon, right? So we can tie that back. To, so it's all ingrained. It's all connected. It has to be. This is the only way we can get to the future is we connect all the data. So that so therefore logistics procurement all integrated. So therefore, that seventy thirty or that forty nine fifty one, where you're talking about, that's more like ninety five five that point and you make that decision a lot quicker and a lot more confidence in it that way you can actually focus on other stuff as well yeah don't get me wrong like the the history has always proven that there's always new jobs to be done always 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 oh yeah so we never should worry about like what job is being changed we need to go towards the future the new job will appear i like that i because a lot of times this 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 old idea it reminds me of the industrial revolution people going and breaking the machine, but there's other jobs to, to build the machines. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. just as you're talking about, yeah, look, you know, whether it's an automated rig or whether it's this, whether it's an automated, you know, frat, whatever, there's going to be more jobs, whether it's, whether it's the maintenance side of thing, whether it's the, the, the developing side of thing, the software mm -hmm. side of things like, you're right. Like jobs will open up. And I think there was a book, um, 21 rules for the 21st century. Have you read that? Same guy that did Sapiens. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It was. It was interesting. And he talked about kind of the globalization, not the globalization, but kind of like you know, how do we, whether whether it's social media, whether it's whether it's this, how do we the fake news, the mm -hmm. the inf information overload, the comparison culture, the um, all this stuff, and it was a really great uh, concept. Like, look, a lot of people are scared of like automation, AI replacing jobs. This place, like, but he just he spoke to the point where it's like, just as you said, 
one job might go away, but it might create three new jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's one of those things too, that people it's, it's tough to do. Change is tough for a lot of people. You know, it's scary. It's, um, but change always happens. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something that's, that's a constant thing in life change. Um, and it's just kind of, I guess your perception on it and how you ride that storm and, and engage that change and, and, and embrace the change, you know? Exactly. The, the thing that's preventing us to get to that future quicker is people, legacy systems that do not want that to change because it impacts their business. I mean, you can say that about exactly. You said about software. I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking about, you know, during, you know, uh, let's again, I hate bringing this up, but during the pandemic, the lockdown, you know what I mean? You had people, I saw people, I saw individuals and I met a lot of individuals that I saw, you know, online also you example. Um, but I saw a lot of people, you know, oil field service people, operators and all that stuff, either they started changing with the times, whether they were, you know, getting, getting online more, you know, exposing themselves more, talking more, thinking of new and innovative ways. And there was a lot of people that were scared of this new norm, this change, like, oh man, I'm just waiting for breakfast runs to start again. Cause uh-huh. that's what I'm getting, that's what I'm gonna get back in my stride. But it's like, you have to change with the times, whether it's mm-hmm. a, a global pandemic or whether it's this new piece of technology that's coming out there, that's, that might make your job a little easier and you might not like that because that's your value. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where you do have to embrace and, and, and go with it. Cause if you're kind of stuck in that old school mentality, antiquated ways to do things, like, oh, I've always done it this way or breakfast runs is the only way I can drum up work. <laughs> you got to change. Yeah. No more breakfast tacos. No, I'm serious. Like you, that, but that's one of those things that like, Oh, that's, uh, and I get it, man. I, I, I dig that side of things. And look, once they open up, go mm-hmm. for it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, Man, during these two-year time warp that whatever we're in, if you're not changing, if you're not, you know, learning, you know, uh, coding, uh, um, or uh, or if you're not trying to think of new ways to get in front of a, a, your your end user, mm-hmm. it's it's you're kind of writing a, an a, an outdated. That doesn't make any sense. An outdated storm. What the hell is that? Mean? But you know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. You're not. You gotta you gotta get with the times. Yeah, and one thing to add to that, so we talked about the great resignation, and really I think what's driving a lot of this is people have thought, sat around for two years and said, what is my purpose? Yeah. And so you have to figure out what is going to be your purpose in life. And you don't, you know, you can change it. You can change it every five years. You can change it every 10 years. It's okay, man. Just every day you got to be getting up and executing on what you you think your purpose is. And I think that's what's going to make you happy. I like that. I mean, that's true. Look, I feel like, you know, like before people all would get in their, their role, uh, look, the great resignation, I, I understand it. You know, I, I kind of, look, if, if, if it's one of those things where like the, you know, the, your grind for the past 20 years, it's, you just realize it was a grind mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm not really enjoying life. I'm not doing this. And you want to pursue a passion or pursue a different thing, by all means, do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I understand that side of things. Speaking of mornings, um, you know, getting up every morning and all that stuff, how do you, how do you, what, how do you start your morning? How do you get your your mind right before I go going into each day and uh, tackling the, the daily, the daily challenges. Recently I sat around a little bit too much during COVID. So now I'm doing workouts in the, in the morning a okay. lot. So uh, high in- intensity training uh, of various kinds, um, sometimes just like cardio, but like, that's, that's the great thing that I'm doing. Like, right. You know, having to actually wake up early, get out and do that. Um, when I get back, I mean, this is boring to everyone, but like, I just had a kid start at school. So it's like been a challenge to figure out how to do that 
drop drop them off. That's not and, born at all. Everyone, yeah. I think, I think over ninety five percent of people understand that understand yeah. that struggle. No, it is a hassle. Yeah, I wish I had some sort of romantic or cool you know thing I did in the morning that was in replace of that. But one of the things that I'm always trying to come back to is when I start working, when I look at my computer, people are driven by notifications or other people sending them something, sidetracking what they should be doing. What we want to be doing is spending the first two hours, maybe less or more, on exactly what is your priority for the day. So that is like the thing that everyone can go practice is and say, okay, I'm not going to let people drive my schedule. At least my biggest productive like few hours of the day, I need to work on what are my, you know, one thing. So, you know, we, we, if we want to accomplish one thing in the quarter, then that's going to equal one thing I got to do each month, one thing I got to do each week, and then one thing I got to do each day. I dig that. I, th- yeah. I think that's such that a, come, I, that's not, I borrowed that, but no, I like that though yeah. because that's such a great thing. Like, I mean, for example, in the mornings, I'll set two hours just for myself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. won't go to the computer, won't go on the phone, all that stuff. But you're right though. When you get to work, have those. Don't let those ding, ding, ding. Hey, check this out. Click this link. Go to this. Whether you want to, call you it. see the first email and you jump into that, and then it's oh, that's it. That's, that's done. That that carves your path. I like that. Right to be successful, we all have to figure out what makes us successful and it's not responding to all these different things. This is a big thing that I look on and it's like, and I'm, I'm not a magician, but it's like, what are the few big things that change the course of what you're doing? Could be a company, could be anything. There's a few no- knobs that twist that make that yeah. happen. And I'm not saying, that's why I say I'm not a magician. I don't always know what they are. Right. But you have to be aware that we do a lot of stuff and there's only a few things that really matter. Dude, that's a great, great point. And I'm just thinking <laughs> about my life for now. I'm like, damn, do I need to be doing that? No, I dig that. Okay, so uh, what else uh, What else you kind of want to wrap us up with? Chit-chatting longer than, uh, about 30 minutes longer than last time, which I did, about an hour 15. What else What else is kind of, um, I guess, uh, let's say you're talk- walking around doing these, you know, 15 chats in five minutes and all this stuff. What are kind of some common trends that you think is worth kind of bringing up and addressing right now that you're kind of hearing or you're seeing that you're excited about or you're nervous about? A uh, few things that I'm excited about. Like, there's there's definitely new technology on the horizon. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about yeah. that. But I, I actually really think it's coming out. There's new ways to do things. Um, again, the biggest blocker is hi- historically how we always did it. And so that's getting in the way of introducing that. But I actually think that we're, we're at the point where we're going to start to see some acceleration there. Um, I think um, yeah, one, one other thing to talk about is um, yeah, so, software is hard to build. Um, and I think a lot of people want to be in the, the the mode of building software or want to get into it. And I just have to say that um, we, we you know, the, the problem is, and, and this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is like we always have to be producing what we're doing. So, you know, we always have to be releasing code. We have to be making stuff that actually works right. and, and iterating it. Um, it's just so important to what anyone's doing. And this could be like you're writing a paper, you know, a, a, a novel, like you, you want to be iterating 
very quickly on what you're doing. And the same is true for any type of software project. Um, if you're working on stuff and it's like never seeing the light of day, uh, the chances are every single day it doesn't see the light of day is like a higher probability that it's a failure. So it's like this inverse correlation. And I think that's really true of everything. I mean, it's not the case where you've been working on a novel for 90 years and then you you think you got it perfect and you release it. Um, so I think, you know... It's kind of it's kind of like the intention... Intention's great, but without action, it's 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 kind of nothing. I, building this is great, but without releasing it, it's, it's kind of... What's the point? Yeah. Um, another thing that I've been thinking about a lot is talent arbitrage. So starting to like just hammer, keep on software is like, as the world expands and everyone needs software developers, this is a harder and harder problem. Um, so where do you go to get uh, new new people in the world? Uh, if you are not already embracing globalization of people, like people working anywhere, you definitely have to. Okay. And what you have to do is go to places that potentially were not served uh, or, you know, were not picked over. So places, you know, like the U.S., it's like software people are in very high demand. Okay. So you got to look at what's the next up and coming place where they have good skills, um, but maybe like the biggest companies haven't moved into and started hiring. Because if you're any startup these days, like that's worth anything, like you have hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on hiring software people. So, you know, for us, we're like right now we're moving into um, we have a big office in Ukraine. Now we're starting, uh, uh, you know, we're sort of doing a lot of Mexico City, but like the future might be. Somewhere like Rwanda, yeah, in Africa, right? So you get there, and and this might be like a musical chair. It's like you might have to ad ad adapt over time. It's pretty cool, though. but this is what every company needs to think about. If everyone's going to be in the digital world, right? Everyone's going to be contributing. They're building their own tools. So um, if you're thinking about, I need to hire some guy down the street, or I'm going to find him, uh, you know, in Houston, you you have to think bigger and better. And so, like as as our company, like these are things that you have to embrace and start looking at. And to tell an arbitrage is what it's called. Don't think local. Think uh, think global when it comes to that aspect, which I, I I dig. Yeah, there's another interesting thing. I don't know how I'll go off the rails, but there's this guy Peter Zihon. He actually writes a lot about globalization. He five years ago, he essentially I don't know when his books were, but like six seven. He's predicted that. Uh, there will be an end of globalization and and it's kind of played out. So like essentially like the United States will withdraw from all international conflicts. Um, the, the NATO G8, all these things were the, the sun should collapse. You, the UN basically, you know, who even like cares about that anymore. Yeah. Um, what, what this does is the, he talks about the, the U S Navy basically, uh, uh patrols and, and makes globalization work be, because of the Navy. And once they sort of retract, um, you know, there's there's this big thought that that globalization won't happen. So right now, there's this big push to build things uh, locally. This is not just the United States. If you're any country, uh, the biggest, most uh, risky uh, product right now is, is is microcomputer chips. So a lot of those are produced in South Korea and Taiwan. If you pay attention to the news, Taiwan will probably be any day, uh, you know, captured by China, and the U.S. Right. will not go into that conflict. Um, because this is just this general trend. It's not a Republican or Democrat. It's just basically pulling back. Yeah. Um, this will change a lot. He actually predicts after like 30 years, they'll go back out. Um, I think it's an interesting thing, even like if you look at the United States, it's like, where does the, um, you know, the money that's spent on the military, like if we're not doing military things, like should, is, is there going to be a structural step down in the spending my guess is no. Probably not. And so I think that's a, that's quite, that's a big problem. I don't, I, I don't, 
have the answers for that. But um, yeah, he he also looks a lot at like uh, geopolitical like resources. Do you have navigable rivers? Do you have like oceans? Oh, Do you okay. have farming land? Um, he talks a lot about China uh, only having farmland to uh, feed 15% of their population. So that's an issue. He talks about like they only have like 10 to 15% of oil and gas to like for their, you know, for, for their countries so they have to go to the Middle East and other places. Um, he talks about like, um, interestingly, I don't know if this is true or not, but he talks about that wind is not a great uh, thing there because of their, uh, their ge- geography and the same thing with solar. So I don't really know the ins and outs or, or if those are true, really? but um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because like in, in the other regard, like China, China is this really interesting thing because what they're doing is making decisions that are potentially ma- could make their citizens happier. And, and a lot of people in the West see this as like, oh, this is this is crazy. They're re- they're reducing their freedoms. And I agree, like freedom is, is the is a huge number one thing. But like that is really interesting that a that a government is actually making decisions in the interest of their citizens, like reducing their video game time and stuff like this. Yeah. Um it's just it's fascinating to think about it and, and look at. I think uh I I read a a book and shocker and uh i think it was like 2001 or something like that thomas freeman did the lexington olive train and talked about you know the globalization versus the localization and, and kind of how the world is moving towards a global uh a global uh, environment you know mm-hmm. whether it's uh economic whether it's this whether it's that the technology's there and uh i think he brought up a point too where he where it discussed kind of like it's it's but it's that you know that could be anything but you know once once it kind of it and that wasn't like the rise and fall or guns, germs, and steel or something mm-hmm. like that by that other author that talks about once you get to a certain point, it all gets sucked back in. And it's kind of like a yeah, the phases. Yeah, the phase goes in cycles. And out. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting time though. Yeah. So, um, you know, hope that wasn't too political, but it, it, I just think they're just interesting concepts that I'm thinking about looking at. I think that will impact uh, the United States and. But I like that though because. I think when you ever do put your lens on um, um, things in a global perspective, not just in this isolated, because far too often in our industry, we just focus on our industry. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, the only, you know, oh, we got, you know, Californians and D.C. did it all this stuff. Look, that's true. But like, I like the aspect. You're you're not just focused on this domestic, isolated Houston, Texas, <laughs> Corva, you know, 1334, Britmore, whatever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're th- is that right, 1334? Mm-hmm. Look at that. Anyway. You're not focused on that. You're you're actually looking at it on a on a, on a global uh, scale, and I think that's I think that's important. I think that's uh you know f- you know to be a you know a citizen you know a citizen a leader today a business person today you got to look at things on a global level, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I really dig that. So everyone, you got anything else? We could probably keep going for hours. So let's probably keep <laughs> going, make but make a wrap. No, on but that. I want I want I want to plug uh I want to plug the court the the Corvathon, Corvacon, Corvacon yeah. again, Corvacon October twenty first. Um, literally if who, who, whoever you are, if you're in oil and gas, we want you there. If anything, maybe there's some cool swag. You're going to meet some cool Dude, people. Cora's got some cool, I'm, I'll plug that right now. So there was actually a post about how cool y'all swag was. Who, who did that? Steven Forcer? Did you make that post? Mm. There was some post. Okay. I've seen yeah, a couple maybe. posts about uh, y'all swag being so cool, but also, I mean, I think this is interesting for, you know, anyone like, even like whether you're a developer or not, like, well, shit, I've heard about Cora a bunch. I'm yeah. going to go check it out. Yeah, exactly. So please come out there. Let's yeah. let's do this. And uh so they you're gonna be releasing stuff on LinkedIn. You can go to the it's gonna be on your website as well. 
Yeah, we'll like have a bunch of you know microsites. We'll LinkedIn. We'll be pushing it out. Um, really want to get a good crowd there, and I, I think I think it's going to be valuable. If you don't if you don't find it valuable, if you think we're missing something, if you think we're too commercial in some regard, uh, send me an email, Brian at Corva.ai. Tell me about it. Um, I I that's that's not the goal. That's not the intent. It's really just to bring people together in a community setting to figure out how do we build the future and start doing it. So I dig that. Um, you know, I I hope that comes across in the most authentic manner because that's that's really where it's coming from. Even if you're a seventy year old service company, you you know, and you have three followers on LinkedIn, you want to figure out how to kind of move to the future. I think it's definitely worth checking out because honestly, like you know, growing up, you think you think of coding, it's like great. I don't know ones and zeros. I don't know how to do that, but. Technology has evolved, obviously, so it's not something to be scared of. It's something to kind of embrace. So if you're kind of nervous about whether it's software, whether it's coding, or whether you just want to see what's going on in the industry today and how we're going to get there tomorrow, check it out. And uh, it's uh, going to be over there right next door uh, mm -hmm. to Digital Wildcatter Studio. And uh, I dig it. What, what what night is that? Is that a... Uh, it's a Thursday. It's a Thursday. And, and afterwards, like 4.35 p.m., there will be a band and you know drinks open a bar it. next door at the the powder keg if you've been there so if you if you don't want to come for the technical stuff come after uh maybe you'll see jp and the the rest of the wildcatters there you never uh, know probably gonna be there man the 21st i'll be there so everyone ryan Dawson, thank you so much man i really appreciate this i i, I just i really enjoy kind of uh your your passion about bringing our industry uh not just to the future but today but also driving it to, towards the future um I, I enjoy how you, it's all about communication and uh, the fact what you're, you're willing to tell people out there is like, hey, di digitalization, you need to get involved and you need to start, you know, if you got downtime, you advise and in, 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 in strengthening your uh, software developing skills mm -hmm. because you believe it's the, the way of the future. And I, 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 I think a lot of people believe that, you know, mm -hmm. and I think if you don't, then, you know, it's, you're going to, you yeah. Let's just say you have more opportunity. There you go. That's thank you. Okay. Thank you for clar clarifying that. Well, I stumble up my words. But uh again, uh everyone, if you don't know uh Ryan, reach out to him on a uh, LinkedIn check Corv out and check out uh, their website. Just uh I, I was looking at it earlier, it's it's pretty uh legit. And it's not Corva.com, it's Corva.ai. So check it out, uh connect with them, uh, and just kind of uh whether they can help you or whether you're just curious about it and you just want to talk to them. Uh, I dig a good group of people over there. So again, man, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. JP Warren out.